version 2.0 i am dan this is episode 245 the gang is three quarters here yeah that's right what's up jesse at allbecamping.com is not here <laughs> i'll be camping i'll be racing <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll be working www.podcastwho.com <laughs> nick's here justin's here i guess that's really all that matters Ouch! That was, a, that was unnecessary. Right in the main shaft. <laughs> so what's going on, guys? Anything? Uh, it's been God. What? So we didn't really do a show last week because Nick's internet we sucked. We tried, dude. We had like an entire county out outage the oh, night dude, we recorded. It, it hit down here as well because I heard a couple of people complain about it locally that their Comcast was not working. Hmm. I can't. What happened the week before that? Okay, I, no, I was out the week before that, right? So it's been like a month since I've been on the show. I don't. The know. last episode you were on was two forty two. Two forty three was Nick, Jesse, and Sage. Yeah, yeah. Two forty three and fifteen sixteenths was Nick and I last week, and here we are at two forty five. Yeah. Huh. So I'm gonna try to remember. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna try to remember. What all's been going on? I'm trying to think. I know that there was some heli stuff going on. I, uh, so I've been going to my local field on the weekends and I think I'm, I don't know if I ever mentioned this youngster. I'm going to call him a youngster. I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that. A uh, kid named Thomas Simodovac. <laughs> really? Thomas S. Thomas S. So, so this, uh, he showed up at our field last year. And um, he had a, um, I don't even want to guess, 40% gas plane, big 100cc, 120cc motor in it, right? Big, big, big plane. And he was just beating the shit out of it. I mean, he was doing stuff that you would never expect to see at a little RC flying field in Montana. It's just, you just wouldn't ever expect to see it. Like hardcore 3D shit, like hovering it and all that. Yeah, you know, and he was wearing a high-tech shirt and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, who is this ass? You know what I'm kidding? Every what time I t- started to talk to him, it like it was weird. He almost had like a five-second delay before he started talking back. Bam. Nice high-tech humor there. That didn't make sense. Wait, he was answering the last question. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I'm watching this pencil. <laughs> I'm watching him fly and he's doing a really good I mean, he's just amazing. Uh this was last year. So fast forward to a couple weekends ago, three or so weekends ago. Uh it was after the last show that I've been on. I, time is kind of like Swiss cheese. So I'm not sure how long ago it was. But anyway, I show up at the field and he's there. 
and he is just throwing down this big plane again. And um, so this time I kind of take a little bit of time to kind of ch- chat with him, mainly because he was the only one there. You know, last time it was at, I think one of our little fun flies, there's quite a few people there, but so I'm watching him and I'm just thoroughly impressed watching this guy just do this, everything just right off the ground. And I actually convinced him uh, he was hovering, prop hanging, I think they call it in the plane world. Yes. This big ass plane right off the ground in front of him. And I yelled, <laughs> I kept yelling lower and he ended up breaking his tail servo. <laughs> so yeah so anyway uh as the like day goes crashed no 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 he was able dude he was he's a very good pilot he didn't have any problems getting it sorted and getting it down without issue so uh the day goes on and we're we're bullshitting and um he's 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 actually friends with kyle Dahl in the airplane world he does demos and stuff with Kyle Dahl at the uh, yep. AMA Expo and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, we get to, we get to kind of talking and eventually I'm like, well, this guy's really good. And he's, you know, he told me he's flown helicopters once or twice. And I just was like, you know what? Do you want to fly one of my helis? And I'm like, I, I, as soon as I said it, I was like trying to just pull those words back into my mouth as they were coming out. Have you ever had that experience before? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's like you're having an out-of-body experience and you're like, no, don't do it. And you're standing outside beside yourself going, shut the fuck up, dude. What are you doing? So anyway, I offered it up and and he was like, eh. I'm like, nah, no, dude, I, I'm pretty, you know, just, just hover it. You'll be fine. You know, I mean, look at you fly that plane. I'm sure you can handle the helicopter. And he goes, yeah, it's been a long, long time. This is why I hate young people. So he lifts the 570 up, does a few little pitch pumps, you know, and kind of got my ass puckering a little bit because he was trying, he was just telling me, you know, I haven't flown a a helicopter in forever. And um, he takes it to about 20 feet in the air. And I'm thinking, I'm starting to like, okay, he's got it. He's got, starts busting out pyro flips. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) get out of here. He starts doing a, fucking reverse hurricane and he starts you know i'm just and i looked at him and i said dude i really i really don't like you at all (laughs) i mean it was unbelievable and he just i mean for the full pack you know you know he was he would make a mistake and he'd bail out and he'd try it again and he would just he was just like i was it was like watching somebody progress from a hover to 3d in six minutes. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? bullshit. He did really good. And he was very modest about it, but he really did well. Um, I'm dragging his ass out to our fun fly. He did buy. Nice. He did. Uh, well, the plan has changed. He was going to come with me, but it looks like he can't get all the time off for work. So he's going to fly out. I'm going to, I'm going to take his shit and he's just going to get on an airplane and fly out. Oh, there you go. And forty percent, because it's it is big, enough, big enough to fly a a youngster. You just have to land every twenty minutes. But um, no, he ended up buying a, a Rave Ballistic six thirty five. He found because one? It, because it was cheap. Interesting, dude. He bought the whole freaking helicopter for like four hundred fifty bucks with servos and a beast axe. Damn! And he's already like, dude, I need to upgrade some of this stuff. What? What? You know. I'm thinking about Icon. I'm like, well, I got one you can try before you buy. And he's like, 
Oh, sweet. So, you know, we're going to be this weekend, we're going to be flying. But anyway. How old is this kid, Dan? I, I mean, is he really a kid or is well, he like a. He's in his mid 20s, I think. Maybe, okay. Maybe 20. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say he's 26. He's a kid. Yeah. In my book. But uh, so anyway, look, a couple of cool things about this is he and I have really kind of been texting back and forth quite, quite a bit, you know, and it, here's what I see which I'm very excited about something that I've always wanted to have around here. Now you can't shine shit. And I have to say I'm the best pilot in my area. Doesn't that suck? Right now I've got, (laughs) now I've got, now I've can't shine shit like polishing a turd. (laughs) And now, and I even told him, look, I said, I'm, I, I, I will do, look, I've got helicopters. I will let you, this is before he bought one. I'm like, I, here, take this home with you and let's get it flying. I said, because I don't think you get it, man. It's like, this is kind of that situation that I've always kind of wanted. Like I've noticed whenever I go fly with Nick, there's always progression because when you're flying with people who can fly good, you know, they push you, you know, you, know, you, you, you learn from each other. This is something that I've never consistently been able to have in my area. It's only been, you know, sporadic. Like when I go out to Nick's or at a fun fly, which I typically don't fly a lot at a fun fly, but this is exciting for me. I, this is going to be great. I'm, we've actually, he lives four miles from me and he's got room to fly at his house. So Okay, I, now here's the deal, dude. I definitely recognize this as a big thing for you. Mm-hmm. Don't come on too strong because you're starting to feel a little stalkerish. <laughs> do you know? Do you think it, it's it's too soon? Should I not ask him if he wants to cuddle? Yeah, should I, I wait. Mean, spooning no. <laughs> after the like the fourth or fifth field date. <laughs> what if I buy the beer? What if I buy all okay, the alcohol? Well, no, that, that's, does that make it okay? Know, that yeah. No, and also bring alcohol. This this is exciting, and I I um I'm just really looking forward to it because now, um you know both Fred and I I, I don't know if Fred is, uh, Fred has been flying but not a whole lot but um it's well it's just, only ever been Fred Ed and you well here's the deal see now I I have never I've always been the one to call and say hey guys do you guys want to go but see now I'm getting the calls hey what are you doing tomorrow let's go flying. Oh, okay. You feel me there? You see what I'm getting at? I got it. Yep. Yep. So, I don't know. I think it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. No, I think that is good. Dude, I mean, we've talked to countless listeners who have, have had, you know, they've been in the same situation where they can't fly with anyone at all, or they're the, you know, one of the only heli pilots at their field. And that's got to be miserable. It's, I mean, I, it's super easy to get caught in a rut when you are the only person you ever fly with because you end up doing the same shit. And I know we've talked about that before. And there's no one behind you saying, just, come on, just do it. You know, just well, what do you, why, why are you being such a puss? Just do it. There's well, no and I dare that. say if I was in that situation, I'm, ha, you know, it's, it's hard to say because on my side, you know, you hear me bitch about, 
oh, there were too many people at the field. I just want to do my flying and, you know, move on. But if I was never able to fly with anyone, I feel like that would be difficult for me to stay focused and interested, engaged in the hobby. As a general hobbyist, that well, would make it very tough for me. You're right. And there's actually a couple points to that. See, I look at it much like the Nick and Jesse situation. Those, those two got pretty good flying together because they were constantly pushing each other. Now, if you just had, uh, Justin, if there was, I don't think you would ever find yourself saying, I just want to go to the field and fly by myself, or there's too many people. If there was only one more person yeah. with you, right? No, you're absolutely right. As, as far as sticking with the hobby, and you know, we, we've all got the emails. I honestly believe that this podcast, for a long time, not only for me, but for a lot of listeners, has kind of been the lifeblood of connection to the hub when, when yeah. flying either doesn't seem appealing or for whatever reason. So I think we're fortunate there, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to it. That's about, I mean, I think we've been, I've, I've, I don't know, a couple of days of flying, not a whole lot of flying, but I tell you what I've been doing a lot of is riding a motorcycle and there's a reason. The summer of fun and games is coming to an end. Oh? Yes. I will actually, most likely, start working within the next two weeks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's very promising. Um, so I've been riding the motorcycle a lot. I went out just this last week uh, to Nick's. Of course, there was, I didn't even, uh, you know, we talked about throwing the, the, uh, we talked about on the show about leaving a helicopter with Nick. Didn't even bring the, the V control. Did work on the helicopter while I was at Nick's though, a little bit. Right? Yeah, because Nick hasn't worked on shit. Well, the, <laughs> the thing about that is though, uh, to be fair, I know you haven't, but also to be fair, there you didn't have a lot of the parts that you'd needed. No. You brought some of them with you. Brought some of them with me. And didn't get much done, but at least a solid effort to get it going. So the gasser is at Nick's, uh, still in a state of repair, disrepair, whatever you want to call it. I've got the gasser here, the 570, and um, still kind of debating. You know, we, we, we talked about a new helicopter or getting one of the four other helicopter 700s that I have flying again. Have you sold the Forza yet, dude? I have not sold the Forza yet. I have had one email asking about it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to sell it because of the cost of keeping it flying. Only. That's the only reason. Not well, because- and with the whole JR thing, they're, they're shifting part support to a third party, but they are still supporting it, right? Yes. I bet you it won't be for long. I bet you too, Nick. I agree. Mm. I bet you it's while supplies last. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should sell this, get hurry up and get on the ball. Get that thing sold. Well, it's I mean, it's unfortunate, but it seems the only company that I that I personally know of, which I mean, that doesn't mean anything that that has worked for has actually been Curtis. I mean, you can still to my 
to to my knowledge, you could go through China and buy rave parts. But like, remember DT? Well, we're not going to produce anymore, but we're still going to support parts. Nope, they shut the whole thing down. They're not supporting parts. No, it's it's all shut down. Like once once Shannon at Only Fine Helis, once their stock is empty, that's it. Bam, bam, just like that. Get rid of it, dude. Yeah, I think um, I think we're gonna gut it out and then get the uh, Thunder Tiger, the the E seven hundred. The Raptor going. That's well. There's another one. Can you get parts for that? Uh, yeah, but dude, when we brought that up, um, when we were talking about this last, I bet you I got ten emails, uh, links, people saying, "Here's where you get your parts. Easy to get parts. This, that, and the other." So I didn't investigate any of those links, but. You're a better man than I, dude. Once that, well, I mean, we talked about this several episodes ago. Once that shit happens, I'm done. Get rid of it. Unless yeah, it's the, a Henselet. The only other option is to get another Goblin, and I don't want to do that. Get a Protos. Get a Mikado. Get a... No, I'll never get a Mikado. I don't have, I don't have a trust fund to keep that thing going. Oh, dude. One of the plastic frames? Are you kidding me? They're expensive helicopters, are they not? No, they're not. They're cheaper than a goblin to crash. I don't think they're cheaper, but I think they're yes, probably Yes, they are. Cool. I've done the math lately because I'm in the market for one. Aren't their airframes like really expensive, though? No. Not any more than anything now. $25 per frame side for the 690SX. Yeah, but that's not a 700. That's a freaking mouse fart of a 700. <laughs> Anyway, I'll figure oh, it out. Oh, come on. It's a light 700. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying, oh, she's not fat. She's big bone. Well, I, so here's the deal. I don't think the 700 plastic is going to be much different because it uses, I think, a lot of the same or similar parts. Anyway, there are other options, Dan. Yeah, no, I just, uh, to be honest, I haven't been looking. I've, I just, I need to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with these helis that are just sitting around. I, I hate to sell them. I hate to sell helicopters. It's such a freaking hassle, but still got the, uh, the five, seven. God, I love the helicopter, but I got to tell you, the gasser is starting to, um, become the pretty much the main helicopter. That thing is flying so nice. Such a awesome helicopter to fly. Love everything. Love everything about it. Definitely would recommend a conversion for the Goblin if you're interested in that thing. It's a, uh, it's, it's quite a helicopter. Let's see. So no, it's um, other than uh, getting ready to rejoin the workforce, riding some uh, motorcycles around the country, and uh, getting a little bit of flying, and it's pretty much all I've been up to. You know, the summer's been great. But I kind of am ready to get back to work, so we will uh, <laughs> You do that every time I say that, Nick. That'll wear off. Yeah. That'll yeah. wear off. That'll wear off in about a week. You can have my job. No, I don't think I want your job. Yeah, no one wants your job. Screw your job. Damn. <laughs> That's harsh. I think that about wraps it up for me, guys. Who wants to go next? When it comes to flybarless systems, there are so many on today's market, it can be very difficult to decide which one is right for you. 
you really have to look past the price and start focusing on other things like customer service, product support, and of course, features and flight capabilities. In my mind, the Spartan Vortex Flybarless system ranks right near the top when it comes to these categories. Their product support and customer service is second to none. They are constantly updating their units to improve the flight performance and bring you more features. So when shopping for your next Flybarless system, visit spartan-rc.com. Uh, I can. I'll go. Let's see. Um, it, it, it's been the... I don't know why. I, I don't know what's got into me. How, why, or what. But I have thoroughly been enjoying my 380. Is that like an oxymoron? Yes. No, dude. That's an awesome helicopter. No. I really lo- I like it. I've been flying it a lot more lately. Like, it's been the only thing out I've of, flown. Out of, out of convenience? Yeah. Just out of convenience. I grab a couple packs, like, I'll just bomb up to the school over here, because school's not in yet, throw a couple flights in, and come back. And oh. it, it's been great. I, it's kind of funny, because I was going to run out, so, so I found the, the problem with the trailer, okay? This, this is a legitimate, this is an issue. It's kind of first world problems, but it's still a problem. <laughs> So, I, you know, the other day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bomb out with the trailer out to the field and uh, really put in a nice full evening rather than, you know, just grabbing a couple flights here, a couple flights there. I walk out into there. Dude, it looks like a bomb went off inside there. The nitro field. Uh, I was going to go out to Public Works. But the nitros tore apart uh, all, all on the, like, the main bench. I got Dan's gasser over on one side, and then from when we tried to record the other night, there's just, sh- dude, it is a disaster in there, and you can't, you it's can't. An overst- that's an overstatement. It's a disaster. You can't yeah. do that. You can't actually like drive it to Pucci the Like disaster? What do you, no, what, no, 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 no. Dude, don't give me that bullshit. You can drive it to the field. Trust no. me. I know exactly what that trailer is capable of handling. No, that, no, no, no. That blanket the on the floor and the helicopter tr- on the shelf didn't no. affect anything. The reason that you could drive it to the field was because most everything in the trailer when you had it was already on the floor. No, no. It was on the shelf. No, dude. He had a shitload of stuff on the shelf and in cap. But it had settled. It had been there for so long. It had settled in almost <laughs> oh, like come on. gravel driveway where it's like all the fines settle in. And You're it, just it, having flashbacks of your V control falling off the yeah. thing when you drove with it. I have a system now, and I do not like to mess with my system. And not to mention the entrance. Dan, you know, when we've gone out there, like pulling off the road and up into the field. It does jostle everything yeah. around. Yeah, you do get a little jostly going through there. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of like, I opened the door and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get the 380. <laughs> so, um, it's not, it. that is my goal like Monday. Monday coming back, it is time to get some stuff finished up, put away. I ordered, I finally got around to ordering uh, a piston for the nitro. So we'll get that one back in the air because that's all that it needs. Um, and then I'll I'll either finish up Dan's gasser or p- put it in a box or something. I'll probably finish it just to be nice. 
and get everything cleaned up and, and kind of back into it. I took a, you know, it felt kind of good. I, I took a little non-helication, took a couple weeks, just did some light flights in there, but really didn't, you know, wasn't like all involved in everything. And uh, it, it, it felt a little good. I thought that I was going to come back strong last week, but it, it kind of lasted. It's, it's pretty warm over here right now for uh, by our standards. And so it, it's, we're just not used to it. I love the warmth, but it's kind of hard for me to get motivated to go fly when it's so crazy warm. That's why the 380s worked out pretty good. But kind of digging back into it the last couple of days, it's like, oh my God, there are updates. Out. I have like everything I own needs an update. Everything, every helicopter, every piece of electronics I own, like needs this huge update because they dumped them all right after Urcha. So I have my, uh, I have my work cut out for me. That's for sure. And let's see what else. I don't think, yeah, I think that's it. No, that's all that I can think of. I'm probably not going to get out this weekend. I know really non, non hellish by my standards. Oh, but this is really important. Um, for those of you who follow us on Facebook and who follow me on Facebook, if you don't, you should. But, and I even put a post up in Helifree. Oh my God. Well, dude, here's the deal. I Shameless. felt horrible about this though. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So I found out the other day and this literally like yesterday or the day before that my outgoing email out of my nick at rchelionation.com account despite it saying that it was sent and getting no errors across all th- three devices that i use regularly they were not they were never reaching the person that i wanted them to anyone no outgoing email had worked and I got to tell you, I'm even going back as far as like, I don't know when this started happening, but I have a weird suspicion that it's been months hmm. because I can attest to this because after you and I talked, I went back through my inbox and you remember you came and vented to me about this. And I'm like, dude, this all makes sense. Now I have gotten listeners who have emailed me and been like, look, I know you don't fly V control, but Nick will not answer my fucking email. <laughs> yeah. So can and you it, help me with this? Well, and it was weird because it's like, there's a couple people that I email, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Mark helping us with the video, uh, a friend of ours, Roger. I mean, there's people that I email on a semi-regular basis that hadn't written back. And I even sent them follow-up emails like, dude, just wanted to make sure you saw this and you got your problem all squared away. Hey, give me a call. And I never heard anything. And I was like, wow, this is unlike them. But it's okay. It's in the middle of the summer. And then I get kind of distracted. A couple weeks go by, two or three weeks. And I'm like, wow. it's." And my email has been trickling down and down. And it's it was just like, whoa, what is going on? And... uh yeah, so I, we checked it out, and do, nothing works. Like, no outgoing. So I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I have sent hundreds of emails out, and none of you guys that wrote me got them back. And I feel horrible. I'm pissed 
because all that time got wasted <laughs> and all those people didn't get helped. And all those people probably think that I'm a huge douchebag because I never wrote them back. <laughs> but I'm not kidding when I say it. it's like my inbox was empty. Like I had I had replied back to everything. So, man, what I a dick. Totally. Well, I, and we don't like we don't really understand why I did get it all fixed. I just had to go delete all those accounts on on all my devices and and re put them in, and now it's fine. It's all working, and it's something that I you know now I'll be quickly checking every couple of weeks because I'm paranoid. But man, it really like it bums me out big time because it's hard. Justin knows it's hard to keep up. With everything between emails, Facebook, and just, you know, Heli Freak and all that. But we really do try as much as we can within reason. Yes. And so when something like this happens, it's like, man, that just, it, I feel really bad for everyone that wrote that didn't get a message back. So please understand it was not intentional. Somewhere out there in La La Land is a reply to your email and please resend them. Like, I just don't. Well, I'm heading off into the mountains this weekend, but when I get back on Monday, I am like, I fully plan on getting bombed with emails and heli stuff and questions from everyone. And I'm just going to like plow through all of them. So I, I'm, I am purposely setting aside time expecting to get bombed. So please do it. Cause I, I just, I feel really bad. So yeah, that's it. Hmm. Sweet. You buying it, Justin? You buying that lame ass excuse? I am because only because uh <laughs> first of all, I know he wouldn't bullshit us on that. And second of all, I got those emails. Like, why would anyone send me an email about V control unless they were just trying to bust my balls when they know that I fly jetty? But yeah, there were people that said, hey. Nick has not responded to this, so maybe you could help. Yeah, and that, it but, just hey, I mean, and you got me paranoid, dude. I, I, you know, the last couple of emails I sent, especially to people who I I know well and have communicated back and forth with frequently, I I sent the email and then I'm like, okay, shit, check the sent inbox. Yep, it's in the sent folder. So it did it. It my phone thinks it went out. And then I sent him another email and I'm like, if you get this, send an email back immediately. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm <laughs> and I got a couple am, of people that are like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it. Now I'm like sending myself emails from one account to another just to double check. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Huh. I wonder if Jesse's having problems with his email because when I looked at our email stuff, his email was jam full. I mean, it was full. I actually had to extend his his storage size. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Emails. Yeah, I get mine. I get them. Yeah, we found out that's because you don't do it correctly, but that's okay. Hey, I do it how I know how to do it. You guys don't want to take the time to show me how to set it up. That's fine with me. I'll just <laughs> do it the way I know how to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 A little bit of attitude there. Ain't no skin off my nuts. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, uh, Justin, 
Yes. That leaves you. It does. So I I I think I think at some point in the show we're gonna talk Urcha. And mm-hmm. so I'm gonna try to try to split things up a little bit so that I don't repeat. Um in the last couple well, of you, weeks. I'll tell you what we could do. We could change it up a little bit. Yeah. If it'll make it easier. And uh depending upon if Nick has any news or not. Why don't we go right into the news? Let's then, just do uh, that. And then come right back. Oh, and... shit. See? Thinking man on the fly. Yes. On the fly. MC. Production value. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to introduce to you Sir Isaac McSwashballs the Third. You have given your all upon thy sticks. You've fallen quite short. Well, you flew like shit. Now at thy feet lay a pile of rubbish. Get out thy tools and don't be sluggish. What is this you say? Where are all my parts? To see her broken It tears out my heart. For there is one man that will march through a blizzard. He'll get you your parts. The legend. The wizard. Catch that wizard while you can at www.lowerheli.com. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. I do have news. It's been a while, and it's actually going to kind of fall back a little bit more on Justin as well, because he's hopefully going to talk about all the cool stuff that he saw there. But there has been, like, uh, like I mentioned, it's like National Update Week. We have... Uh, update out for the Neos and V-Control that has to do with uh, the Mikado Tell Me. Remember we had talked about the Tell Me modules for Contronic ESCs? So there's an update out uh, for that. There, It's also got in the Neo update, there's uh, anti-ballooning, which uh, has to do with low head speeds and fast flight with very high collective which I, I mean, I think it's great that they're continuing to improve on it. I haven't had any issues on on my little speed heli, but I'm also not, you know, it's not a 700 and it's not going near as fast as the, the big guys are. But, yep, so um, let's see. Uh, moving on to Hobby Wing. Hobby Wing has a update out 4.0.2 that talks about uh, this one's pretty cool. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this J-Log compatibility. Well. Oh, nice. There it is, people. It's there. And supposedly, now I haven't tested this yet, but but this is on my list of like, wait, what? Um, Supposedly, it's all good now with the RPM output for because um i have had issues with it on my v bars on just some of my speed controllers not all of them so i guess that this is going to take care of that as well which i am super stoked for 
Um, let's see. Uh, they also have. I gotta find this email for the. Let's see for the for Hobby Wing for the Wi-Fi Express module. Remember, we had talked a while back about they had said, eh, eh, "Pull it, don't use it." So now they're going through and replacing those units. So if you have one, they'll send you a new Wi-Fi module along with the return address label. How cool is that? I think that's pretty cool. Let's see, Beast X. God, I didn't even know there was Beast X still in the game. They're making. They made a Bluetooth adapter, and now they have um, some apps going on to go along with that for programming for both uh, Android and iOS. So that's kind of cool. Because and the reason why, like, I was gonna mock it at first, but then correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't pretty much like all the Align helis now coming with Beast X? Yes, I yes. believe so. And, and I know the bigger ones are. I'm not sure about the smaller ones, but I know the bigger ones are. And now that we have seen, and and Justin, you might, well, you don't even have to confirm because I can spot it a mile away. The new 700 that we were talking about in the news prior the 700X. That is no question a Hobbywing speed controller rebadged yes. on the front of it. Uh, That's looks, what it looks like to me. Yep, it's a Hobbywing 130. So hmm. that's going to, don't mind telling you, that's kind of a big deal in my opinion because something that it was kind of always like, okay, well, if you're going to buy the, and a line, you're going to buy it and then you're going to throw away this, this, and this or sell this, this, and this. One of those was always the fly wireless system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a beast, I beast X is a great flying unit. So beast X combined with a hobby wing. Now you don't have to, you can, you can actually have a good governor in there as well. That kind of changes things in my opinion that there's really my, there, there's my new 700e right there I, I i gotta tell you man i would be surprised if you did not love it long time with a happy ending with a very happy ending very wow. very happy ending i mean think about it the only the sir okay people have had bad luck with some you know with some of the aligned servos. Like, I get it. I don't know if that's still continuing on. I haven't ran an aligned servo in a long time. I don't know that that's the case now. Everything when, with them. When did that start happening? Because remember, we used to run those aligned servos in everything. That, and yeah. Volts. Yeah, yeah, the old you, 610s. Yeah, the 610s. But, you know, I had them die, though, too. But it was yeah, just after, that, like, 2,000 flights. No, <laughs> I had one die on me. It was it was kind of the same thing like, well, they're so cheap, you just kind of expected it, and it was okay. Because at the time, the only thing that, it, that was even like remotely as powerful was five times the price. Right. So they really were. A 610, and a line 610 at, at 7.2 volts or 7.4 volts was like damn near the strongest and fastest servo you could oh, yeah. get at the time. So it, it was kind of like it was worth it when you could pick those up 
brand new pulled out of a kit. And there's another reason why it was so popular. Brand new pulled out of a T-Rex kit. You could pick up a whole set for like 200 bucks versus paying 180 for one Futaba. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that this is that this is pretty cool. It, it makes me wonder, though, and this isn't necessarily in the news, but I didn't really think about it until now. Just put everything together. Wow. Where do you think, where do you think Castle's going to go? They need to have a 14-cell ESC. Well, here's the deal. They sold a shit ton of 120s with those T-Rexes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, dude, they are such a big name. Like, not just in helis, but cars and airplanes. I, yeah. I don't think that's going to put a huge dent in them. But and it's a, they've yeah. they got to uh, yeah. be developing something else. They have to be. Helis have to be a very small oh, yeah. portion of what they do. Especially now. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I guess I kind of forget that. To us, it's our whole world, but to them, it's probably pretty small. Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate because they had all the means and the manpower and everything to do it, and they just freaking sat back and didn't do, didn't do anything with it. I mean, I, I got to tell you that the Hobbywing 130 is, dude, it's gnarly. It is awesome. You talking about Castle? You talking about Thunder Tiger? I'm getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't, I don't blame a line one bit. You have the BEC inside the ESC now. It's 14s capable. And after I thought that I had a problem with mine and figured out that the overcurrent is a spool down and a quick spool back up, it's like, oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, that's what I got for news. We'll get into some more stuff when Justin talks about it. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee that's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. You guys all know me. And you definitely know what I look for when it comes to helicopters, and that is reliability. For several months now, in hundreds of flights, I've been flying the MSH Protos Max. I'm to the point where I have complete confidence when this heli's in the air. I know that the quality manufacturing and the amazing part support from MSH USA will keep this model at the top of my list. For those of you looking for a top-notch 700 or even an 800-class helicopter, that screams quality and has an unbeatable price tag, look no further than MSHUSA.com. Uh, we kind of skipped Justin, uh, what Justin's been up to this week. We're going to combine it into this the remainder of this show because, you know, we've got a bunch 
of Urchis stuff to talk about. So, Justin, what have you been up to this week? And yeah, so I'm going to warn you, I could probably talk to myself for about four hours on this so, one. So, so I'm going to just hit the mute and go you, take a you nap? Pro- yeah, you probably could just go, and I'll <laughs> uh, I'll send you the file tomorrow morning. Uh, no, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been an eventful couple of weeks. Um, I, I'll start with what I have been doing since I got back from Urcha, because that's pretty quick. Nothing. <laughs> I did exactly what you did, Nick. That, and we'll we'll get to it when I get to the experience. Um, I got back and was like, "Yeah, I'm done. Like, I I need to take a break. I haven't even uh, unpacked everything yet." <laughs> Uh, frankly, half of the stuff, I'm not sure if it's even survived the plane ride back. Um, I just needed to step away and it, and it wasn't a negative step away. It's not like one of those ones where you drive in your entire fleet in one afternoon and you're like, fuck this. It was just like, uh, wow, I, I just need to take a breath. So the last uh, couple of weeks, one quick thing. Yeah. You, you didn't send anything, uh, back from Indiana via FedEx, did you? No, I did not. Good. good to hear. Good to <laughs> not hear. after seeing poor Randy's picture. Oh, God, Randy. I felt terrible for him. That this, is oh. unbelievable. You I know just, that uh, FedEx is even trying to say they didn't rebox it? Oh, okay, right. Yeah. What, yeah so, no, no, they didn't bro. rebox it. What they did is they cut the original box up into little tiny pieces, <laughs> and then they glued it back together with, like, bubble gum and duct tape. <laughs> Short sidetrack. I actually had this happen once. I had a bunch of stuff, heli stuff sent to me from the UK. It was all professionally packed. When it showed up here, it was they the customs wrapped it in bubble wrap and then just put a few wraps of tape around it. So it was like there was no box. It was just bubble wrap and tape. That's anyway. bullshit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So the, yeah, the last two weeks, I haven't touched a heli thing. Um, I have been spending time with my family, spending some time out at the shooting range, uh, which is a somewhat uh, new-ish and evolving uh, side hobby. Um, and, and, you know, and just kind of relaxing. The weather's been nice. It's definitely flyable, but it's just not, haven't been feeling it. Okay, so rewind back now to the week prior uh i the weekend prior to leaving to urcha i thought i was going to get a lot of flying in i didn't get any flying in and it was because at the time i'm like you know what it's not going to do me much i mean i'll get a handful of flights in it, yes it's practice it's stick time but what what I think a lot of people don't understand or appreciate is for speed flying in particular, the environment plays a pretty significant role. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about the site picture of the field. What does it look like? What are the surroundings? What kind of things can screw with your head? And so I knew I was going to get a handful of days ahead of the competition to practice at the Urcha site. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to relax get everything packed up early, no stress, no last minute crap. I did. Um, as you all have probably already figured out, I made the last minute decision to 
bring the Diablo speed and finish building it in the hotel room, which I did. Uh, Chuck was able to bring the last couple of parts that I needed to Urcha. So I picked those up Tuesday night as I flew in. Um, the packing job, I do want to talk about a little bit. I don't know how I did it, uh, but my parents are in town, as I've mentioned before. They brought a double golf case. Now, I have a double golf case. You guys have seen it. It's It kind of looks more like a casket, mm-hmm. um, but it will fit two golf bags in there. But it's shorter and fatter, and theirs is more of a tall, like another eight or ten inches longer of a golf case. So I figured, screw it, I'll give it a try. I fit four helicopters in that thing. Yeah, but to to put that <laughs> four helicopters all side by side measuring six inches wide. Yeah, but I mean that really you're, you're lessening the impact of all, my original statement. They're all speed helicopters. I get that. I get that. Okay, how about this? Under 50 pounds. Yeah, now that is All a, right. That's yeah. a darn good job. 48 pounds. So that was the beginning of my trip here. I'm thinking I'm going to I'm going to, you know, dole out hundreds of dollars. I I roll up to the ticketing counter. He's like, "Hey there, sir. How many are you checking?" Two. Okay. Put them on the scale. 48 pounds for one. 50 for another I pulled like a you know like a sweater out it went to 49 she's like all right that'll be 60 bucks dang and I'm like nice or each no no 60 dollars total I'm like oh shit I, I almost broke into a happy dance right there into in the ticketing line so that <laughs> that that was a huge surprise um and I think I figured it out really quick if you bring something that looks like a golf bag, and I ended up confirming this on the way back, even though the golf bags typically don't meet the the size constraints, which is like length plus height plus width greater than 62 inches is typically considered an oversized bag. Because it's so common, um, golf bags and ski bags don't get the oversized luggage fee they Ah. only would get charged for the weight very nice now the reason why mine didn't is because it looks like it's carrying a small body and when they look at it they don't see a golf case they see like an equipment case or something you know what i mean so i think that's the trick and the second time around uh, so i'll just fast forward to that really quick i paid another 60 bucks and I talked to the lady this time. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna regret this because you're gonna charge me more. But I really gotta know because I do this fairly often. Why did you only charge me sixty bucks? And the answer was, yeah, because you have a golf case. And I said, I've got another golf case too. And you guys have charged me two hundred plus. Well, what does it look like, sir? I said, it looks oh. like a golf case. And she's like, are you sure it looks like a golf case or does it look like a large equipment case? And I Uh said, oh, shit, I see what you did there. (laughs) All right. That kind of makes sense. Sure, it does. Think about how many men travel with golf clubs, right? And if there was. Oh, yeah. 
If they, I mean, no one would pay $200 each way time after time to travel with golf clubs. It wouldn't happen. No way. So No way. Then it would just turn into everyone would know so-and-so airline not to fly on them because they charge you $200 for golf clubs. Yep. Yeah, that's it's it. true. Oh, that is huge, dude. It's a big deal, dude. Because, you know, I, I mean, we talked about it before Urcha, and I got no shortage of people at Urcha and in email during and after, you know, telling me, hey, use the media rate. Because you, if you go and say that you're a member of the media, then you don't get charged oversized or overweight baggage fees on most airlines. There are a couple of other ways around it, or I could ship it to a friend's house. Well, if it really is true and, and universal across all airlines that that's the way they deal with it, then I'm just going to keep flying with my shit because I can handle 60 bucks. And yeah. keep in mind, that was 60 bucks for two bags, right? They just checked them as regular bags. If I didn't bring all my tools and my charger and all the other shit, clothes and stuff in another suitcase, it would have only been $30 for the four helis. See, now to me, that changes everything. Yeah. Because that's why I would never, I mean, that's why I would never, I mean, I'll be honest. If I'm going to go to a fun flight now, most of the time, I really kind of don't have an interest if I'm going to travel to bring a heli. I'll just go and hang out and mingle and, and I don't know, just whatever. Because I, I, your, your horror stories in the past are like, dude, I'm going to buy a freaking airframe rather than travel with one. Oh, yeah. No, between the first Urcha that I traveled, well, not our Urcha, not 2014, but 2015 plus OHB, I spent about $1,700 on getting helis back and forth. Okay. That's ridiculous. Put that in perspective. That's fucking retarded. (laughs) So there's the solution. Uh, Now, for the record, that worked on United and Delta. Now, I, I can't say it works for everyone, but on United and Delta, that's what I got. Hmm. All right. So moving on from there, uh, you know, got there Tuesday night. As expected, I, you know, ran into Chuck Tuesday night, got the parts for the Diablo speed, put the Diablo speed together. No problem. I did, in fact, cut the boom correctly this time, although I will tell you that uh, for whatever reason, at the time I was sitting there in the hotel room, I I had forgotten what the actual length was that was necessary. So I had to do a little little bit of an iterative thing. Now, Nick and I were on the phone at this particular time, if you remember, and I had to put the boom in and take the boom out of the heli like three times as I snuck up on the final <laughs> boom length. I'm sitting here at like two o'clock in the morning, dremeling metal off of the boom. And it occurs to me only after the fact I'm doing it in an all tile bathroom. So I'm thinking the entire floor was pissed at me, but it is what it is. Got the Diablo back together. Wednesday was speed course set up. It took way, way longer than it needed to. Mostly because we didn't have everything that we needed. Uh, luckily, the guys from AMA and, and uh, some of the guys from Urcha, uh, Dan and Josh and company, 
were able to get us all of the tables and the, you know, the tents and get them set up correctly. Uh, got the courses set up. We built new speed pylons of the design that you guys saw at our last fun fly for the 120 meter course so that we didn't have to, you know, go out and move all of the pylons when we sw uh, switched between course layouts. So that that helped a lot. And then Wednesday, Thursday, I basically spent the entire time at the Speed Cup with the ex exception of a couple of visits to Site 4 at the Speed Site, Site 3, practicing and helping people, you know, doing inspections. Thursday, we did training with the volunteers, uh, which was, was actually really nice, um, you know, got the other pilots that wanted to fly, that were going to compete speed out on the course and they were able to get some times on the timing system to get the volunteers experience okay and and so I'll, I'll i'll get the speed cup out of the way and then we can talk the rest of urcha friday uh well okay actually let's back up to thursday Thursday was the last night for practice. And that's when, you know, I mean, I was out there. Ben, Chago were practicing. George from Scorpion. Uh, you know, Ugo's flying with the, with the Goblin. There are a handful of us. I'd say about eight or so. We're all just kind of hanging out, doing our thing, screwing around and practicing. And uh, boy, the Diablo, I lifted it off, maiden flight. And I got to be honest with you, the first thing I thought, and I feel almost a little guilty here, the first thing I thought when I lifted it off and did put the first couple of passes uh, on it was TDR2 what? <laughs> like, it, dude, it just felt like I was back home. That goddamn helicopter flies so well and inspires so much competence. Uh, with the exception of when the tail blows up. There is that. that. Yeah, there is that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just wanted to get beat up. And it was cooking. Um, I mean, Thursday night, it was on freaking fire, figuratively. I was putting up passes that averaged in the 270s. Okay. 270s is about 165 to 170 miles an hour, like legit on the GPS flat lines for seconds on end. Nice. Um, so I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, we're done with that. We got a couple of flights in. She is ready to go. Uh, Goblin, Goblin 500 Sport. Oh, Secret Squirrel. Everyone knows now it's a three blade 500 Sport. Love that little thing. Um. That was firing on all cylinders as well. Two flights on that were done. Uh, TDR2, great. R5. Uh, I had put an earlier flight in. It was really good, but it was kind of windy. Uh, last flight of the night, man, it was going good as well. I was feeling it. And then it exploded. Now, uh, you know, I think you talked about this a little bit with uh, Jesse and Sage a couple of episodes ago, Nick. Uh, so I won't I won't go over it much more. But long story short, the blade tip came off of one of the DH six eleven. Oh, F off. Yeah, off like <laughs> it thirty five hundred RPM. Yeah, no, keep in yeah, mind thirty five hundred RPM just came out of a smoke and fast run. 
Um, you know, and, and for those of you who don't don't know, the, the reverse half Cuban is, you know, you come out of a nice straight flat run. You you edge the nose up about 45 degrees. And as you're pulling collective out uh, and setting your line for the transition, you're bleeding off a little bit of speed, but you want to keep speed going. So you're at a 45 degree angle up. You're still moving. You roll it over at about three or four hundred feet inverted, and then you pull hard into the bottom of the loop. So I'm cruising at the 45 degree angle. I just roll over and then it it all goes to shit. I mean, it sounded like a shotgun. The head went from thirty five hundred to dead stop. I'm talking like blade stop. In a split second and the helicopter just fell from 300 feet into a gravel parking lot shockwave yeah so uh you know after we got it back and looked at it yeah the one the one blade and you mentioned this too nick the tip about the last two and a half or three inches of the tip came off you can tell because there it was a tear this this is not impact crash damage which was the criticism that a lot of people had the tip to this day has not been recovered. All the other shit that fell and broke off the helicopter was in a nice debris field about 10 feet in radius around the, the, the body. Uh, this tip is nowhere to be found. It looked like it was torn off. And presumably the force of that, the shock of that occurring, um, sent a force down the length of the blade. It accordioned it in three spots. And it bent the blade bolt, like the actual blade bolt in the grip was bent. The so the force had just I I would kill to know how big it was. But I mean, you know, you put it best on the phone. You're like, I had this one coming, and and I mean, yeah. you did that for for those who don't fly larger helis or really grasp RPMs of larger stuff. I fly my 500 on 520s, okay? These were what, 611s? 611s. I fly that at 50 RPM more. So, right. almost 100 millimeters longer, and you're spinning them damn near just as fast. And, and you, you said it. You're like, dude, I was asking for it. There's no question. And, well, I mean, and like, that's why, I mean, okay, so here's the deal. I was pissed because I felt pretty confident that I was going to, I was going to maintain or, or defend my title. Okay. I won at the last Urcha. I won at OHB. I wanted to do it again and keep it going. Eh, you know, it is what it is. But at, at the end of the day, like I said on the phone, dude, I, I can't be mad about this and I'm not. In fact, it's actually. The rekit aside, and it is a rekit. The rekit aside, um, I was pushing the limits. I knew I was, and I found the limits. So I I now know thirty five hundred, not going to work. I I told the guys it had worked for the previous thirty flights. The key is it won't work for thirty one. So uh, I'm going to back it off by a couple of hundred RPM. And we'll we'll probably be good to go for you know without a problem once I get it rebuilt. Um, 
I was glad it didn't happen in the competition, just purely for safety reasons, obviously. And also, you know, you get the new guys there and they already know speed's a big, big, expensive part, part of the hobby, expensive discipline. And it's discouraging to them when they see these sorts of things happen. And, and that that was sort of a recurring theme as we went through this. I'll, I'll get to that. So R5's out. No big deal. Uh, Michael Smith got a hat out of it. It took 55 previous guesses on the Facebook to uh, get to the blade tip coming off at response number 56. I will say, I think that may have been the most popular Facebook post we've ever had. Uh, it had been viewed by like 8,000 people within 24 hours. There were like 150 responses. Um, so apparently it says the community likes carnage. Yes, I would agree with that. For some, it's a hobby and for some, it's a passion. But one thing is for sure. When it comes to maintaining a heli fleet, staying organized is a must. Now, if you're flying all the same size and brand of heli, then it's easy. But if not, having a toolbox full of tools that fits all sizes of helis is not a cheap thing. Well, luckily, when it comes to your setup, there's only one tool you need to buy. That's the Soko Heli Tool. No need for having half a dozen swash levelers and pitch gauges. One tool, one app, your entire fleet. For more information, log on to www.soco-heli-tools.com. Okay, so next day, uh, we got started early. Uh, everyone got there by 8 to 8.30. Inspections went off without a hitch. Uh, was really nice, I gotta say, and and I you know I hand it to the guys, Milt, Frank, Thomas, uh, Pete, um, all the volunteers that came out. Some of them actually listeners uh, to to do pre staging, to do the uh, timing system, to do scoring, to do inspections. Uh, it went awesome. They were they, I mean they were like a well oiled machine. The team worked very well, so that was greatly appreciated. I can't understate that. Um, Competitors-wise, we had 17 pilots, um, which is respectable. Actually, it's more than I thought we were going to end up getting. Uh, last year, I think we had about 24, so a little bit lower, but that again, that was a theme here for Urcha in general. Keep in mind, that was with none of the Henslet people or the Compass people. Uh, and they usually make up an additional four to five. They just didn't come. Uh, good mix of people from uh, beginner up to the, the more seasoned speed veterans across all of the classes. S1, S2, uh, three, interestingly enough, which is the 550 class. 550 to 600 had nothing uh, except in the formula class. George did his R5. Mine was out. Keith, who is going to fly the his R5 as well, had a tip over on landing. So his was out. George was the default winner. And he and he did well. Um, Didn't he crash his later? Well, his exploded, not exploded, but 
went went in during his his actual competition flight. He lost the tail belt again, which is a recurring theme for him. Uh, I think it's the third or fourth time it's happened. Uh, and he, we were talking afterwards. He said that particular belt had like three flights on it. So I don't know what's going on there, but it's definitely something I'm going to look for when I get the new kit uh, because that that's concerning. Now, it was minor damage, but he was able to get a run in in both directions, which is what you need as a minimum to have a score. So that was good. Uh, so let me let me set the stage here. This was a speed cup unlike any other speed cup uh, that I know of in history. The weather, first and foremost, it was windy as hell. Now, luckily, it wasn't across the field, meaning it wasn't in our face or at our back. It was a nice, solid wind out of the west, so coming from the left to the right, uh, and it was hot as hell. We're talking about 95, 96 degrees with 90% humidity. So with the heat index, it's like 105 and you could feel it. It was, it was Ugh. oppressive. It was horrible, dude. Horrible. Um, everything that you could imagine went wrong here. Okay. So 17 pilots, my R5 exploded. Keith's tipped over. Georgia's spit a belt, a belt in the middle of the flight. We've got uh, people overheating ESCs. We've got battery problems. Uh, we have flybarless issues. We had um, a goblin speed from uh, now. I, I will consider a good friend, uh, Blanton Riviera from Puerto Rico, and his friend Carlos, both of whom are good friends and flying mates of Michael Ludke. Uh, so there's a you know small world connection there. Had um, uh, belt tensioning issues on the Goblin Speed where the tensioner wasn't set right. He had uh, a, what's it called? A thrust bearing in backwards, which ended up being the final uh, cause of this thing having violent like kicks and Tourette's shakes during speed flying. Wow. Um, people could not hit the pre-stage to save their lives. All of us. All of us. Now, this caused a lot of frustration. And, and again, let me, let me make sure we're all clear. Two, two skill sets. Novice, master. Novice is no pre-stage. You just got to be flat and level coming into the course and through the course. Uh, master is pre-stage, FAI style. That means you have to enter the pre-stage between 5 and 35 meters and be flat through the entire course uh, on either end. And the pre-stages for the 200-meter course are 100 meters long, which means you basically have to put the helicopter out two to 300 meters away from you to get the turnaround nailed so that when it enters the course at the bottom of the reverse half Cuban or stall turn, you're below 115 feet. Now, in normal weather conditions, guys, it's challenging, but it's not, it's not overly challenging. But when you've got a 30 mile an hour gusty wind 
blowing from the left to the right side of the field, you run into some practical challenges. One is when you're going up on the left side and trying to turn around, you, you don't want to go too far out because you're wasting battery now and flight time. But if you don't go far enough, then by the time you make your turn, your transition, the wind has blown you into the pre-stage. So you don't get your pre-stage on that side. On the other side, coming back upwind on the right, the wind blows you so far away by the time you make your transition uh, that you can barely see the helicopter. And now the instinct is, oh, crap, I'm down low. I need to gun it and get into the course to preserve the speed. Well, you're going upwind into 30 or 40 mile an hour headwinds pitch-ups. It was a comedy of errors. Um, Most of the people running masters were hitting pre-stage 50% of the time. Um, My TDR2 hit pre-stage out of five runs on three. Uh, Georges only got it about 50% of the time. Miles, Miles Dunkel for Team Minicopter the world record holder with the Diablo speed missed all of his pre-stages on round one of F4. And the numbers that he posted, because remember now we used my speed timing system, which means the computer tells you the actual speeds, 288 KPH in the trash because he didn't get the pre-stage. That sucks. So people were pissed, but you know, I, I like miles, uh, miles approach to, I mean, there were a lot of people that were pissed about the pre-stage and miles was like, look guys, here's the deal. I'm flying the same course, just like the rest of you guys. I just threw away a 280 and a 288 because I wasn't good enough today to get the pre-stage. But if you want to fly at the top level, then you need to know how to fly an FAI course. And that's what these guys set up for us. Well, and that's the, that's, that's the key right there. This is not air quotes, Urcha course. This is not Justin Pucci course. This is not USA course. This is FAI. What's going to be, you know, carried across around the world. It's the universal final. All that is all. If you want to, I mean, if you want to set records now, yeah, you can dive bomb fricking anything and basically do a big flying you and, you know, huge stall turn, which some people did. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not, that's just, I'm trying to take my muscle car and drive it downhill with a tailwind and then tell you how fast I'm going. And then say that that's how fast it is. That's dude. It's painful. I mean, but you know what? You got to suck it up and recognize that you weren't good enough that day. I mean, I, I, it was not my best performance. I, I ended up getting, uh, first on S two with the, the squirrel and second on S four masters behind George on the TDR two, but it wasn't the best performance I've ever done. I mean, I threw away, a 266 or a 264 and a 250 on the TDR2 because I didn't get the pre-stages. So, hey, 
It is what it is. Um, but it was kind of interesting to see how the community dealt with it. And all, we know it, everyone there knew for the most part, knew each other. We'd been flying together before. Um, and so it's, you know, it was one of those things. And I told the guys afterwards, Hey, look, I know people are frustrated. I know people didn't feel like they did their best today. Uh, weather conditions are weather conditions. There's not much we can do about it. Uh, you know, I kind of liken it to playing golf. It's the same game fundamentally, but every course is different and the weather can play a significant role in how you perform. So we'll, Hey, we'll get through it as a community. Maybe it'll be better next time. Uh, but overall, I think there, uh, there was a very positive feel from most people. They, they, uh, enjoyed the event. Um, we had a total of seven groups between novice and master across all the classes, uh, places one, two, and three will get awards, uh, trophies and or medals. And we're working on those. We didn't hand them out there because we wanted to give it a bit of a personal touch. So each person will get a trophy or medal that says, you know, Nick Len, blah, 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 class, blah, 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 2016 speed cup. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Hunter. Hunter brought out a TDR2. Hunter McWilliams, for some people who don't know, really nice kid. I think he just turned 21. Uh, he got bit by the speed bug back at OHB when we ran that event. He flew it with his Goblin 700 and his Goblin 380, and he was a walk-on. Like, he wasn't planning on doing it uh, and just got hooked. So what's the next logical step? Buy a TDR2. Um, I think you guys have all seen the video. He had to land it in a box. <laughs> yep. Land landing um, gear woes. There's been a lot of criticism and, you know, I just want to set the record straight on that. First of all, he did learn some lessons here. Okay. And, and we actually found, uh, Dmitry, uh, Sidorov who came from Moscow to compete, uh, ran into some similar issues. Although luckily the landing gear did not come off in flight. But after the flight, he inspected it in light of Hunter's issues and determined that it had begun to loosen as well. And for those people listening that have it or want to know about it, there's a uh, e-flight retract system that comes with the retracts and Jan adapts a, a ball link system to it that is of his own design. It comes pre-assembled. Um, you have to disassemble it and clean it and Loctite it, guys. Um, it's not clear whether Loctite was in there or not, but it was not disassembled previously. And so it's a lesson learned. And we've all been there. I don't want people talking crap about it. I mean, it is what it is. He did the best he could do with what he had available once things went to shit. Um, it is by sheer luck that the box was there that's the box that i shipped my timing system in and <laughs> instead of bringing it back to the hotel the first night i just left it in the pits and so you got this big like 24 by 24 box filled with packing peanuts and plastic bubbles and stuff and when it happened we were going to land it in the grass and my buddy uh richard zapp from minicopter came up and he's like wait 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 stop Let's go get the box. So everyone went and grabbed the box and, you know, we cut slots out of it so he could sort of place the heli down in there. Ended up only breaking a link and damaging the canopy. 
Uh, he got it fixed overnight. That was practice. Came back the next day. I was spotting for him on his competition flight. Uh, went up for the first run. We heard a noise. One of the gear was hanging down. And here we are again. Uh, Groundhog Day, number two, had to do it again. Uh, it, it was number two he was pissed about. Because, you know, how come this just happened again? And this is his, like, baby. This is the first real hardcore boutique heli the kids ever had. Yeah. Um, the first day, he was nervous as hell and had to have his buddy Travis uh, take the transmitter so he could just take a breath for a second while he got himself prepared. And I don't blame him. Um, but we coached him through it, and it worked out perfectly fine. Uh, so, you know, whatever you see in the videos, judge as you see fit. But uh, I was there. I helped him with it. He was very grateful for the help. Uh, he felt terrible, uh, got sick to his stomach uh, after the first one, and just got downright pissed after the second. What was the criticism? I don't get it. What, what was the alternative? Well, the criticism, I think some of some people I heard were criticizing the second video because he got really pissed rather than being thankful or showing outward gratitude in the video to myself and my buddy Ben who helped him get it down and it I mean we're all friends there right so it's not it's not like I didn't know the kid and there would have been a, a need for that level of formality where hey I just crash landed the heli thanks for helping me now god damn it what the you know, that sort of a thing. We're all friends. So I, I didn't expect any different of a response. Yeah. And what it doesn't show is maybe the five minutes later, or 10 minutes later, after it cools off a little bit, the walk over where it's like, Hey man, thanks a lot. I, this just sucks. I appreciate you guys, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. And dude, he was down. I mean, two of those in 24 hours, he, at one point he was like, oh, look, I, you know, I don't, maybe the speed thing's not for me. I said, look, dude, I know how you feel. I've been there. I've blown the Diablo up twice, okay? I just cratered the R5 the night before competing. I feel your pain. Just take a step away. Go do some 3D on Site 4. Just let it, let it calm down, and you'll get back to it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the other people... Other people there got the got the sense that, hey, you know what? We do need to pay attention to this stuff, pre-flight checks, all of that sort of thing. Uh, so it was a good lesson learned all around. Anyway, um, summary is Speed Cup went really well. Uh, very successful event. Our first big MHSFA officiated event, international Puerto Rico, Moscow, um, what else did we have? Oh, uh, um, I think over in the UK, we had uh, Hong Kong. So it was a truly international event, and the camaraderie was pretty, pretty obvious. Doesn't make a difference where you're from. Everyone, uh, it, you know, behaves like a little community, like a little speed family. So that was good to see. Ugo drove in his Goblin Speed competition, though, Nick. Did you see that one? No. He was pushing it out on the upwind transition to get the pre-stage because he had missed the previous three runs, and he had to get 
a downwind run in order to score, pushed it too far, lost sight. Uh, it went down basically full speed ahead. And so, you know, when you come into Urcha, you guys have been there before, you come down the main road. Uh, and there are like soy fields on the right hand side and some houses and stuff. Yeah. And then that road goes all the way down to site four. Site mm -hmm. three, right before you make the final turn, is off to the east. The heli went in on the other side of the road in the soy field. It was like over a quarter of a mile away from the course. <laughs> Motor, speed controller, entire front of the helicopter completely destroyed. Don't got it. Nothing. Don't got it. Nothing. <laughs> One of two prototypes, by the way. I think Bert or Derek has the other. That's it. <laughs> Later, he commented to uh, myself and Enrico at the SAB tent that it was on purpose. It was really a way to say, I guess I need to get a comment now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So enough about speed. Um, Let's move on from that. So once the speed cup was done on Friday, I was then able to spend a majority of my time at site four. That was the remainder of Friday afternoon and Saturday. Let's talk uh, Urcha the environment really quick. We already talked about it being hot as hell. Mm -hmm. um, I complained about that probably once every 10 or 15 minutes for the entire week. Uh, so probably got old for people around me. But hey, I'm from Seattle. The striking difference that most of you have probably heard about this Urcha at this point was the attendance. Uh, when we were there in 2014, I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe that the total registered pilot count was close to the highest that they had had historically and was in the range of 12 to 1300 registered pilots. And if you recall, guys, our, uh, our tent, because at the time we had purchased a tent space as an actual spot or vendor advertiser, mm -hmm. and we were on East 38 or 39, right, Nick? You've got the memory. It was uh, East 38 or 39. Yep. Yeah, I think it was towards 39. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is from center stage, we were the 39th 20 by 20 canopy on the east side of center stage there were a total of like 40 or maybe 45 okay same on the west side so 45 to the west 45 to the east you got 90 ish 80 or 90 20 by 20 vendor tents um and we were right in front of the swarm tent or behind the swarm tent if you recall mm -hmm. this year the the east and west tent count stopped at about 18. Wow. Yeah. So roughly 40%, 50 if you're being generous, of the total number of vendor tents that was there in the previous two years. And last year when I went for the Speed Cup, I can attest to it being smaller than our first year, but nowhere near like this. Okay. 
So we're, we're in the range of like 30 to 40 vendors in total. Um, the swarm tent was, is in the same spot out where we were. There was easily four or 500 feet of personal pop-ups on the flight line between the swarm tent and the next closest vendor tent on the east side. Yeah. Uh, at the end of Saturday, the official pilot count that I got from the registration booth was 717. Wow. Hmm. Now, the, the initial response for me and a lot of people there was, oh my God, it's dead. This is going to suck. And I'm going to tell you something that I'm surprised to hear myself say, and you haven't heard this from me, Nick, either, so this will be news to you. It was surprisingly awesome. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it, it took a step back from the commercial feel and really gave the stage to the common pilot. Yes, there were only 700-ish of them compared to 1,200 before, but the flight line was dominated on either side uh, outside of center stage by people that were just flying. It was less crowded than it ever had been in the previous couple of years that I was there. You could walk back and forth. People, even friends at vendor tents, you could tell we're at an overall lower level of stress, um, weren't feeling like they had to deal with lines upon lines of people to come up and talk to them or get their autograph. Um, I think it, it resulted in having a lot more of a chill, laid back, fun fly feel. Mm -hmm. And I would have never guessed that to be the case. Uh, I thought it was just going to be completely dead and shitty. Uh, you know, there were aspects of it that you could tell were, you know, so, you know, like the demos, right? I took a picture and sent you the center stage picture during Friday demos at like three o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock. Do you see anyone on the bleachers? No. No, no one was there. So the, that sort of a thing was, you know, crappy because you're not seeing the kind of crowd participation that you're used to. But I think it was because everyone was out flying uh, all the way down the east side. You know, there were tons of tents out there up against the flight line. People were flying back to back. No problems. Back over at site three in the RV park directly adjacent to the speed site. Tons of people out there flying in the field, just having a ball. Um, so it was it was a bit of a surprise to me that I left feeling like if I was coming here just to fly and have fun, I think this would be a more uh, a positive Urcha experience than previously. And and for those listeners that were there, I, you know, I talked to a lot of listeners. And some of them had similar stuff to say, but if we didn't talk, I don't, you know, like I say on the, on the show, I'm always interested in getting feedback from people in email or messenger if you felt the same way or not. But, uh, it, it, I think it did have a positive twist to it at the end. Um, interesting. Very let's see, interesting. I, so how many yeah, of those, it is. 
do you think we're we're FPV people? Well, um, it's a good question. I will say that the FPV activity was strong with this one. However, uh, so you, you now know it's not a mystery. Bert and Bobby did the FPV smack fest. Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically what that was, was an FPV competition where they had a course set up. It was open practice every day with the exception of 11 to 1 PM. And from 11 to 1 every day, you would compete. You would do circuits. Uh, and, and I believe they had a system where as you continued to compete over the days, you either gained points or gained rank. I, I don't know all the details, but it ultimately resulted in a final, like the ultimate competition with the, the final guys on Saturday. And then the you know people won or placed out of that. Uh, incidentally, Duncan Boshin won, uh, if you hadn't heard. That was a completely separate site. Uh, it was back behind site four, out into the field beyond where the fire truck or the firework trucks set up for the last night on Saturday. And so it was way, way, way far away from the main event. And there were lots of people there. There were lots of people FPVing. It was super popular. I talked to Bert a couple of times. Uh, he seemed like he was having a blast busy like you'd expect uh, but bouncing back and forth between the bk tent and the smack fest area uh, on the main flight line nick though it was all helis man i saw a couple of a couple of drones out there you know doing some videotaping and stuff like that but lots of helis and i'll also tell you lots of nitro yes oh yeah yeah I can see that lots I mean. of nitro um now, my, my gut feel is that they probably weren't pulling all that hard in this temperature, <laughs> but there were, it didn't stop anyone, man, especially at night. They were out doing night flying with nitro. Um, it, you know, it's just the, the flight line was helis. It was just filled with regular Joes flying. You, you didn't see a lot of, or at least in the time that I spent over there, which was pretty substantial on Friday and Saturday. You didn't see a lot of the team or pro pilots off much off of center. I mean, there, there are exceptions obviously, but the further you get down on the East side, the more you get into the, the regular old guys. And so that was, that was really cool to see. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to check out other aspects? Like I know when we were there, they had a pretty good scale group there. Did we're, did any of those guys show up? They did. Yeah, they did have the scale competition. Um, uh, Daryl put that on like he usually does. That was over by the. So, you know, uh, when we were there over by where the golf carts are right. when you first turn in and actually where Camp Hardcore had had been set up in 2014. Right. That's where the scale guys were. Okay. And I'd say there were probably about a, a, a 10, maybe a dozen scale guys over there really impressive stuff dude i mean you know we've talked about this before i've got nothing but respect for those guys couldn't do it myself mostly because i just see a car flying around in terms of <laughs> dollar value uh but you know just amazing amazing helicopters over there there were a couple of them that had uh the one of those things called tail fan 
right? Where it's it's an enclosed, oh, almost yeah, like yeah. a ducted fan, kind of like the medical uh, rescue helicopters that you see with that sort of a thing. Isn't that Notar? Which was or yeah, I don't think no, it, it's not a Notar. It you that's the one where it's like it ducks exhaust from oh, the yeah, jet yeah, engine. Yeah. This one was a separate driven fan, but that, that was the first time I had actually seen that, and in a large model too. I mean, these scales were not tiny. They're like, you know, if you looked at the airframe with the fuse on it, it would be equivalent to what you'd expect like an eight or a nine or hundred or even a thousand size pod and boom might look like. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, So, yeah, scale was there. Um, FPV was was big as well. Lots of people, like I said, at the SmackFest site. Um, Lots of nitro flyers. Lots of small heli flyers. Uh, which was also surprising. I saw tons of people that just spent time out there with their tiny helis. Their 380s, uh, Logo 480 Extremes, lots of, actually lots of Align 450s that I saw. Um, so that, that was kind of cool to see as well. It wasn't just all big helicopters. Everyone knows that I am not fond of changing things up. Something's working for me, I stick with it. Recently, I decided to try a new Revelectrics PowerLab 8. And as you'll hear the guys on the show say from time to time, you just don't know what you don't know. The PL8 is a powerhouse, and if that isn't enough for you, well, why don't you check out the Dual PowerLab 8? Now, the coolness doesn't end there. You want to get even more sexy? Go get your bump on. Bump charging is the future. Don't believe me? Well, then you know nothing, John Listener. Find out more information at www.revelectrics.com. Okay, so, uh, you know, moving on from there, let's see here. Uh, we talked about Smack Best. Uh, let's, let's do a little bit of the sort of some news. Uh, what what I saw there in terms of products and such. Uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the SAB Comet, because I have to, because it's a speed thing. Um, it's freaking gorgeous. Enrico and, and Stefano and I have been, you know, talking back and forth about speed in general behind the scenes, and now you know the secret squirrel on the Goblin 500 was... What was secret about it was not the Goblin 500. You can go buy one right now and bolt a three-blade head onto it. What was secret was that I was doing some behind-the-scenes testing for Enrico at SAB just to see whether it could even be competitive as a speed helicopter. And and uh, you know now you know Nick has one, and so we've been talking back and forth on that for months. I've been doing it now since, what, November of last year, Nick? Yeah. So it's been a while. Uh, so, you know, I, I met up with Enrico and Stefano. We talked a little bit. They brought me over to the Comet and wanted to get some feedback and just talk and show it off a, a bit. Um, what I will say is it is far smaller than the Goblin Speed Competition. Uh, and, and and I will also go to say it's far smaller than any of the other Speed Helis on the market, fuselage or otherwise in particular in one thing that I think is critical, and that is wetted area. Um, the, in other words, the area exposed to the airflow is small. 
It doesn't look like a big plank, uh, like a, a, a big board or a fish from the side. It's very streamlined and minimizes the amount of area, uh, which also helps them keep the weight down. They designed it to stay at six kilograms. So it's capable of the six kilogram FAI limit for the world record. Uh, they designed it to CG neutral, which, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit. I said, you got to get it so that it CGs nose heavy without adding weight. Um, and I think there may be a trade off given that they want it to be a production heli. That's not a limited edition run. Um, they're expecting that people may try to use it for FAI kind of like the, uh, the Yurikai or maybe just as a sport flyer because someone wants a heli that looks like a speed heli. So, until it, until they go and do the nose in FAI and it's like, oh shit, where'd it go? Yeah, exactly. Don't got I can't it. see it. Don't oh got God. it. Don't got it. Turn it sideways. Turn the tail, Bobby. Turn the tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's got a lot of unique features. It's all carbon fiber. Uh, it has a new head, which I think we'll start seeing on as options or upgrade on the 3D models, and that is a pivoting head, uh, much like you see in the old uh, Henslet TDR and some of the other FAI, or I'm sorry, F3C style models. Like Gowie? Uh, yep, it's like a Gowie. It's got a pivot in it, all black, which makes it look really cool. Um, it has, so <laughs> Stefano uh, was really proud of this, and he was enthusing to me about this. He actually got in contact with engineers at Ferrari on this one and um, came up with a duct underneath that a lot of people looked at and they're like, what the hell is that? That's stupid. The duct doesn't run air into the fuselage. It's called boundary layer control for those people that don't know aerodynamics. And what it does is it's a scoop that takes the dirty quotes dirty or turbulent air uh, from the boundary layer near to the surface off the nose it ducks it down through this port and then runs it out underneath the body where they necessarily have a uh, flat surface for landing it can't be a, a smooth trailing edge of an airfoil uh, because of their landing gear configuration and it it basically minimizes the vortices coming off of that flat, flat bottom piece. Um, it, in a sense, builds an airfoil shape out of the airflow coming out of the duct. It's pretty crazy. It's really freaking cool. Uh, landing gear, fully retractable. It retracts up and in and then down and out. It's a six millimeter carbon fiber plate. I suspect it will be way more stable than the than the Gowie, but we'll see. Uh, vertical tail fins on the top and the bottom in the back. Uh, tails fully integrated in the car, into the carbon fuselage. It's got a removable battery tray with a quick disconnect stacked system. Motors in the back, like the TDR2. Uh, it has a carbon fiber air duct that forces air. Uh, that comes in through the swash area of the canopy down and on top of the motor to keep it cool. Um, that has been a challenge, I will say, for the TDR2 in my experience thus far. It is belted, as you'd expect. It has all sorts of little tubes and ducts to get wires routed around. Um, 
it is a badass looking helicopter and i want one they want they're going to go full production it's not a limited run they're hoping it's going to be out by the end of the year uh i did not get a price on it but my guess is it's probably going to be somewhere between 17 and 1900 dollars for the airframe yeah which is right would be right in there it's pretty reasonable i think Uh, and hey maybe they'll surprise us maybe it can be better than that okay that's the comet goblin 420 it's just a goblin 380 stretched yep it's a stretch 380 uh you know, the people that I talked to on this had a lot of criticism to throw around. I think mainly surrounding what you and Sage and uh, and Jesse talked about on 243, Nick, which was what blades am I going to run in this one? Because if it's a 380 head, it doesn't fit standard 400 millimeter blade roots. Uh, that seems to be true. So I think the answer is you're going to be running Thunderbolt blades, at least for the time being. Hopefully, you know, people like Bert and and others, Halo will pick it up. And if it's popular, um, you get blade roots that fit that are in that 400 millimeter size. It looks sweet. Uh, it, it actually it's funny to me. It looks more proportional than the 380 does. The 380. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a 380, but the 380 is a big 380. You know what I mean? You put it up against a, 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 an Align 450 or a chase and it dwarfs the thing the 420 just looks more normal to me i like the idea of the disc loading oh yeah dude absolutely because you i guarantee you you can easily put the exact same setup in that as a 380 um a little bit heavier battery and just beat the piss out of that thing yeah yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm partially tempted. I mean, I'm kind of tempted just to gut my 380 and put the stuff in one and try it. I, you know what? I think it would be a worthwhile thing to try because it's so. I mean, it, it, and I don't even know. Maybe, maybe you know, Nick. Um, are they going to have a conversion kit on it? Oh, I doubt it. No, they never. I mean, do it, conversion it, it, from what anything. I can tell, it's just the boom. The boom in the canopy. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Well, and the belt, right? Yeah, yeah either belt. way, get one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm I curious. We'll see. I that really am curious. Winter one. Uh, so, okay, so that takes me to uh, the next heli in that size range, which I was super impressed with. The Protos 380. Dude. That thing is serious shit. I mean, it is light as hell. It blows the Goblin 380 out of the water by probably close to a half a pound. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my gut. I may be making shit up, but I got to hang out with Brian, Brian Langston, um, who had one there, right? He was flying for MSH. And, you know, we talked about it. I took a look at it. I held it. It is minimalist. It's simple. It's ultra lightweight. And it's just a really slick looking model. 
I, I got to tell you, if it weren't for the 420 popping up out of nowhere, and it was out of nowhere for me, I didn't see that coming, uh, then it, it would almost be a no-brainer to give it a try by swapping my 380 bits into the, the Protos 380 just to see whether it works and then selling the kit that I don't like as much. But the 420, maybe maybe I'll let you do the 420 and I'll give the Protos 380 a try. We'll see. Yeah, because I probably won't be doing the Protos. That's I mean, a fair just point. Saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> be frowned upon. Facts are facts. Yep. Yeah. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> God, we won't tell anyone. Logo 700. Oh, my God. I want one. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, it is. It, it, it really is when you get your hands on it. The 700 model that Mikado should have designed five years ago. I called it. I called it. It is a work of freaking art, dude. I mean, it maintains that big logo 700 extreme feel. You know, the same size and coloring on the canopy. It has that same presence in the air, but it's a plastic airframe. It is light as hell. I mean, I, I think they're all up under 11 pounds. A 700 electric under 11 pounds. That's nuts, dude. I can't wait to see one in person. It's it's a beautiful model. Uh, I, I think you'll appreciate it. Not for everyone, because when you get to those extremes of lightweight, just as we've talked about before, the extremes of heavyweight on and their effects on disc loading, um, it's it's definitely sort of a niche in terms of the feel of the model. But mm -hmm. I think there's enough flexibility in the frame layout that if you need to add some disc loading to it, you can without sacrificing too much of the performance. See, I'm over here like I'm over here seriously contemplating getting the the 700 kit Black Thunder. Really? Yeah, because of the lightweight. Yeah, you know, because see, now we talked about that before, and that's a good point. The seven, the black, the Black Thunder with 700 conversion is probably similar in weight to the Logo 700. It's pretty light, and, I, and like I'm starting to get, I, I gotta, I mean, I, I try to take, here's the deal. The only person, there's about four people in this world that I trust to take weights. And no offense to everyone else out there, it's just, you're either accurate or you're everyone else. Because you need to know everything when it comes to it, like speed controller, motor, batteries bec or no like all these things add up big time you can stack three quarters of a pound on a heli and and then people think that it's it's heavy well no it's because because of the components that you picked so i try and take the weights that i hear with a grain of salt but it's leaning toward yes it is a lot lighter and i gotta tell you i love the way I really, really like the way the 700 comp flies on 710s, but it, it kind of makes me want just like a little bit, you know what I mean? It's like, but. No, I hear you, dude. I, I mean, I, I got to admit, I and this was the first time I've seen a Black Thunder, a Black Thunder in person. I saw your Black Nitro, 
Mm-hmm. And it's got like a similar style to it. But, you know, SAB's out there selling the Black Thunder right now. And it was all over the place at Urcha. It's a sweet ass looking heli. It really is. And that combined with the Logo 700 there, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe that is what I need to get back to. The 770 we've talked about before has that nice light disc loading feel. You can, you can, I mean, it, it just gets up and goes when you want it to, but it's slow and floaty and smooth. And I think back to the days when I was flying a Logo 600 3D and SE, and man, they are the pinnacle of floaty and smooth and slow. And I, I got back to thinking like my only 3D heli right now is the 380. Still got the NX7, haven't built it back up again. But the NX7 was there for the same reason. It's lightweight like a nitro. So maybe one of those electrics is in my future because I feel like I need to get a 700 electric for 3D again. Yeah, I hear you. We'll see. I got a couple I'll sell you. Yeah? Yeah. JR Forza? Sure. Bottom dollar? Sure. Or you top dollar. You can afford it. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep moving here. Compass Exo, amazing looking model. Definitely only a 500 in size. The carbon fiber monocoque design thing, I thought it was going to be flimsy. It is solid as hell, dude. Like thick, hardcore, probably will never break in a crash. Um, other than that, I, I mean, there were other features to it. I mean, it, it looks nice. It's a good, it's compass design. It's compass machining. It's nice and clean, precise looking. Uh, other than that, I didn't really have much to say about it. Looks like it flies well. Uh, the evolution helis guys, which as you know, are the, I think the, I, I guess, is it a Chinese or a Japanese company that bought alias rights from Charlie? Something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Anyway. They, they were there. Um, they were showing off two new things. One you may have heard of, which is the, the evolution. What is it called? Like a prestige or something. It, it's basically a 550, 600, 650. So it can, it, with boom swap outs and such, can fly uh, each of those blade lengths. I think maybe even up to 700. Uh, it, it's apparently pretty lightweight. It's got, in my opinion, the better of the canopy designs, which was the new, the new Rush 750 Evo that Charlie came out with right before it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of criticism that the new company um, may or may not be difficult to get spare parts and support from. And so, uh, you know, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but uh i thought it was an interesting looking design they also had a nitro they were showcasing prototype only it has a spherical tank which caught my eye shouldn't make a difference but looks really cool probably better for clunks and not getting caught in corners right yeah yeah theoretically sure yeah okay uh bd bd had their axe on there did As you come you well home know, with one? I, I did not. I did not. There were only, I think, two or three of them that I was aware of. Uh, still being developed. 
pretty raw on the software. They're trying to push for it coming out this fall. I, you know, I'm not there's I'm not going to say anything. Right. Uh, it is what it is. I'm on the team. I still love the product. It flies great for my speed. I want a governor. I want connectivity. I want vibration stuff that will come in the axon. It's a great looking uh, fly barless system. Still all aluminum, CNC milled, nice red anodized. Um, I saw it flying on a couple of different models. You know, it's hard to say when, depending on the pilot, you can make it do what you want it to do. It looked fine. I didn't see any bad tendencies. And uh, um, he was throwing it around pretty hardcore. But we will see on that one. Okay, a little bit of love for you, Dan. Gassers. Mm-hmm. I saw a number of them. Uh, they, I don't know if they're increasing in popularity, but I feel like I saw more gassers at Urcha than I had previously. Ran into Kerry. He's doing well. He did not bring uh, gas-powered helicopters to the store this time. He was just kind of hanging out and uh, driving around and helping support people. But who I did run into is Raja, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a big gasser guy. Yeah. He has recently been named the new team manager for miniature aircraft. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so uh, we had talked about this before. I met the new owners of MA, uh, a couple, very nice couple out of Germany back at uh, OHB in December. And at the time they were, you know, they had just bought the the sort of the rights to the company and the design and there, I think the the guy is an engineer or has some technical background, so he was going through and doing some design stuff. Um, they have chosen because uh, mainly because of uh, European demand that they are revamping the gasser first, the whiplash gasser. And I got to tell you, it's promising, Dan. I know you love your goblins, but I would keep this one in mind. They are fixing all all of the problems of the original whiplash and if you remember when bobby and chris did the gasser design unlike all the others they designed it from the bottom up off of a gas engine it wasn't a let me design the electric and the nitro and then cram a gas motor in there so it's still got the great gasser design but they got rid of the one way on the pinion they put it on the main gear. Just like a normal heli, the main gears are now all CNC'd. The clutch is huge. Uh, there had been, if you recall, issues in the past with, I think, either clutch it. Oh, you know what it was? It was only on two bearings on the top and the bottom of the clutch. And the size of the clutch itself vertically made it so that the clutch could wobble and it would destroy the bearings. Right. Now they've got a three-bearing stack on the clutch, uh, clutch bell. It looks freaking cool. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. Did they give you any idea? Is it just all talk, all talk consideration right now, or are they? Oh, no, no, no. Like, they, they've already got it. So, Raja's got parts. So he's got one, but is it, are they, did they have a time frame for production? You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't have that answer. 
Uh, I know the gassers first, and then I think they're going to do, I don't know if they're going to do the nitro or the electric next. Uh, but the sense I got was that it was going to be in the next few months. So it's probably a winter or early spring sort of a thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did get to see a, an old familiar face, Nick, the 700 EX was about nine feet long on a massive banner. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, you, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I know you. <laughs> they actually are they going to put the one way on the main gear? I think they are. Yeah. God. Yeah. Marvel idea, right? I know. We tried, didn't we? Oh my God, did we? Uh, try. They're also fixing the tail gear issues. Good. Uh, that caused the tails to blow up. Yeah. So they're actually, you know, doing materials and some design changes. Um, probably along the lines of what we had suggested, but <laughs> got shot down on. Yeah. Weird how that works. Nonetheless. So anyway, I I thought that was really cool. That's like an oldie but goodie coming back. And I think it's going to take some time, especially since it's out of Germany. And, and, you know, Raja had commented that their business model is focused on supporting Europe in terms of the popularity side of things. And so that's why the gasser is actually going first. You wouldn't expect that if you were going to go and try to support the American market. But I think it'll all work out in the end. Uh, any talks somewhat, of uh, distribution in the states? No, I, mean, I don't know yet on that one. I gotta believe that Carrie's gonna help him out. Yeah. Um, related bit of news: Raja at center stage on Wednesday hit four thousand flights on his MA Spectra one thousand five gasser. Wow. Yeah. 4,000 flights, dude. 4,000 gasser flights. That's a, I mean, that's just flat out impressive. <laughs> yes. So uh, I think the only other news I'll talk about right now, which is short and sweet, Contronic Tell Me. Um, uh, obviously, uh, got to hang out with, uh, Greg Alderman and Jenny, uh, Jenny covered the whole speed cup for the AMA and the model aviation magazine is going to be doing a, an article, uh, which is really awesome. And it's always cool to hang out with those guys. They are, they are, they're good people, yeah. uh, but Greg and I were talking beforehand before Urcha about the, uh, the new tell me modules. And so he bought like. I don't know, a dozen or two dozen of them for Contronic, for Jetty, and for Mikado. And, you know, for, for Heli Direct, since that's, that's his gig. And so he said, hey, dude, if you want a couple, let me know. I came by Friday, and we hooked up and talked about it, and I picked up two Tell Me modules for Jetty. Uh, and as, as I think you guys talked about in one of the recent shows in the news, Nick, this basically eliminates the need for a J-Log. You now plug the tell me into the one of the three aux ports on the back of the Cosmic or the Jive Pro, and then you plug the servo lead directly into your Jetty or your Mikado receiver, V-control receiver, and you receive all of the Cosmic or Jive Pro telemetry right to your radio in real time. So my question to you would be, what do you, what do you feel that you are going to gain by this versus like versus a J log. 
Wiring is cleaner. The J-Log's a pain in the dick to wire. Call me petty, but it could have been simpler. It's a big, beefy chunk of something. Uh, and the telling me is like a little tiny guy that shrink wrapped and okay. flat. Um, the J logs are cheaper. I paid 110 bucks per tell me. Okay. And Woo! I got two of them. I got to get like two or three more to cover my cosmic count. Um, but, but I think the convenience is going to be key. Um, and the plug and play integration is going to be key as well. I don't have to do any more calibration. I don't have to do flashing of the firmware on the uh, the J log and set up for motor gearing and all that sort of a thing. I basically update the Cosmic one time to the 4.11 firmware, plug this guy in, plug it into my jetty, go to the telemetry screen and tell it what I want. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Says the the V control guy over here with like nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my, my, my only downfall I'm feeling over here. Do it. It's getting a little tiresome swapping. Like I like, I do a lot of speed controller swapping, either just trying different stuff and, and you know, or working with hobby wing and, I have to desolder and resolder another freaking UI sensor. I'm going to flip. Do it. Well, now that Hobbywing supports J log, you don't need UI sensors. Oh, never mind. You can't use J log. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be sarcastic, but I know how it just came off. It's kind of like I would make it be sarcastic. I feel yeah. like it, I, it should have been. It deserved to be. Yeah. It definitely deserved to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just get a cosmic. I'll give you a good price on one. <laughs> I've got two of them that are literally collecting dust right now. No. No. Okay. No. It's no. <laughs> like it's like five house payments. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> well, you you clearly you don't live in Seattle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's only four house payments in Seattle. You're right. You're right. Okay, so I, you know, I think I've got other product news, but I want to want to keep moving here uh, to keep keep things going. Um, Swarm party Friday night, like usual. Very small turnout. Um, still no shortage of drunk people. I like it. Uh, we so okay, so they got the girls doing the rum balls thing. Little disappointed that this time. They just hand you the box. They don't actually like put it in your mouth. Uh, you know, that had like a certain appeal. It makes you feel like you're at like an actual party. Instead, they're like, you want to rumble? So, you know, okay. Subtleties. Nitpicking. Nitpicking. Subtleties. You're right. Hey, however. I feel like go it's ahead, justified. Nick. I feel that's a completely justified complaint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, exactly. Yes. That said, the swarm crew were doing what they do best. Coach and the guys were out there. They got the music blaring. They got the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. They have a real genuine bonfire with burning wood, not propane. And they did corn on the cob, 
and they did uh what else did we have uh buffalo wings mm. they ha- oh dude they had jello shots okay now check this out the girls were handing out jello shots too which was kind of cool along with the rum balls um i think and maybe they knew what they were doing i saw no fewer than three instances of clearly little kids running up and be like jello <laughs> now maybe they were just getting it for their parents but it's like wait wait that's that's not that's not jello what's <laughs> the brakes there hot rod <laughs> the rough balls were really strong like they have evolved the year we were there they were strong last year they were stronger this year you could actually like get a buzz off of eating enough of those rum balls. Light them on fire. I didn't see the pineapple nitro, but my good buddy Ben Chance, um, who uh, is with me on MHSFA, every year he brings uh, his version of hot apple pie, which is basically like real old fashioned backwoods moonshine. Uh, mixed with apple cider and a cinnamon stick in mason jars and so friday night he mixes up like two or three dozen mason jars so he comes out in his trailer and get this he's got all the mason jars are in the trailer he's got a cooler and it's filled with ice and bottles of water and then in the middle there's a big one gallon jug of water that's not water (laughs) That's moonshine, man. Um, so he mixes this up and, you know, he gives it out to some of the Urcha and the AMA workers for helping get set up at the speed cup um, and then basically hands it out at the swarm party. There were people that got really shitty off of that stuff. So it's always fun to kind of laugh at people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we closed the party out. Like we, me, Chago, Ben, Brian Langston, Mark, Mark Jenkins, good old Mark, um, at like one o'clock in the morning when they shut the wacky waving inflatable arm filling tube man down and turned the music off. And I went over to coach and was like, dude, what happened? The music's off. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> There wasn't anyone else left in the field, but so just again, going along with the low attendance thing, you could definitely tell it at the swarm party. Saturday. Yeah, it, you know, and again, it's, it's a double-edged sword though, Nick, is it nice that I didn't have to wait in a line for two hours to get one hot wing? Yes. And that I wasn't spilling alcohol on myself as I was bouncing back and forth in between people in the crowd. Yes. Uh, but it's also, you know, it, it kind of sucks that things didn't go on as long as they have in the past. So, you know, again, just one of those, one of those things. Um, Saturday. So we'll, we'll kind of get into the finale here. Saturday, I spent the entire time at Site 4. Um, walking up and down, meeting listeners, talking to people, hanging out with old friends, uh, checking out the products. 
The raffle table was actually quite plentiful, more so than it was last year, which was really nice to see. Despite the fewer vendors, I think the vendors gave more uh, more generously, not that they aren't generous in general, but um, so that was really cool to see. I didn't win shit. Go figure. <laughs> they gave away or the the grand prize was a. Oh, man, I'm going to get this wrong. What was it? It was a Synergy 766 fully loaded servos, uh, power system, nice uh, radio, everything. The only thing it didn't come with was batteries. Oof. Damn. Dude, uh, they gave away good. a Goblin Urukai. They gave away a Goblin Speed. They gave away a Goblin 700 competition, a 380 KSE. Uh, I mean, dude, all sorts of stuff. And it was one of those things where, like, the Urcha guys were calling out tickets and no one was coming up. At the end, there was there were like two kits, like a Yurikai and a 700 competition were on the table. Like, uh, is anyone going to come claim this? Okay, we'll call another ticket. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting to see. But, you know, lots of good stuff for the smaller crowd. There were a lot of people that got good stuff. You know, they, they're always the sort of the little tiny bits and pieces where it's like an airplane motor. What the hell am I going to do with that? Or like one multi rotor motor. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just a kick in the dick. And what are you going to do with one multi-rotor motor? Buy three more. Buy, yeah, I guess that's the, that's <laughs> the idea. Uh, so, you know, prizes were cool. Um, let's talk about the Battle of the Brands, because I think a lot of people want to know about that one. Uh, there were 18 total pilots that competed. As you know, they competed for brands, not for themselves. And the way this worked was if you happen to be the pilot who won, then the brand that you are representing would receive a full gold membership or half off of a platinum membership for 2017 Urcha uh, membership uh, vendor sponsorship, I guess, is really the right word for it. So it was a, a single flight single model to music, uh, no requirements in terms of set maneuvers or anything like that. No theatrics, nothing's blowing up, no multi-rotors dropping shit from the sky, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the only real rule was that you had to make it to a minimum of three minutes in duration without crashing in order to qualify. In other words, if you crash prior to three minutes, then you were out. You couldn't be voted for. Pretty cool thing was that they did voting using a QR code uh, on the back of your your little um, what's it called there on the back of your Urcha uh, name tag mm -hmm. where you could just go online, use your QR scanner and go and vote for the pilot that you wanted to vote for. And you could vote a total of five times. So you could vote for multiple pilots or put all of your votes in for one pilot. Okay. Uh, some of the highlights. Bodos was the freaking man, dude. 
like I was jumping up and down on the back of the golf cart cheering. That dude rolls up there with an N7 in full on man beard. I mean, like in <laughs> mountain man, dirty ass beard. The text I was l- the best. I <laughs> love it, Matt. I get Hell this yes. text and he's Justin's like, oh, my God. Bodos just threw the fuck down with his dirty old man beard and all. <laughs> yes. Oh my dude. So he you guys know Bodos's style, right? He can smack it, but he's also got nice technical big air skills. Mm-hmm. So he did a typical Bodos flight and everyone was cheering cuz it's Matt, you know, he's doing a little bit of low stuff, a little bit of deck work, uh nice uh backwards and forwards rolling circles. Some nice big uh, S's in the air, big air stuff. Um, then he comes in. He comes in low. He flips the some bitch over inverted. He puts that thing down an inch off the ground and starts pirouing full throw. And it's just a tornado of nitro smoke. <laughs> just, and you hear the crowd erupt, man. You couldn't even see the helicopter. It was freaking spectacular. And then he came in and did a low, slow pirouetting backward, or not pirouetting, but uh, backwards inverted flight from the right to the left side, about an inch above the ground, all the way down uh, center stage. It was freaking awesome. Finale, and I know you'll love this, Nick, inverted auto. He got so much damn head speed in the flare that he did a full triple pirouetting flip and still had enough speed to do a little turnaround and land it in front of himself. Nice. Dude's got auto skills big time. Oh, my God. Matt, you're my freaking hero, man. Uh, okay, so I'm not going to go through all the pilots, and I'll make a couple of comments on each of the ones that I did capture. Uh, Mirko crash before the three minutes he was out. Uh, Mitch Morosis, you know, Mitch, he's always throwing stuff in there. That's crazy. He's got a lot of good deck work. I thought it was an awesome, entertaining flight. Um, Nick Maxwell crash before the three minutes and he was doing really well too. Jamie Robertson. Yeah. Jamie did what Jamie does. (laughs) Jamie did a really nice, clean, technical flight, but the crowd wasn't impressed. It wasn't, it wasn't that. Didn't have the wow factor. throw down wow factor, dude. You know, bottom line. Um, Who else here? Kyle Stacy. I mean, my buddy, Kyle Stacy, this kid is just on fire. He flew for BK, which surprised people. He didn't fly for Goblin. Tal, uh, little Tal Roglet uh, fl- flew for SAB. Stacy just went out there and did what he does, man. And, uh, and it was reminiscent of the night flight that he did at our fun fly last year. He's just firing on all cylinders, just beating the piss out of that thing. And the crowd loved it. And he ended up winning, too. So congrats to Kyle Stacy. Dahl did some of the craziest shit I've ever. I, I don't even know what this maneuver is called. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to explain it. So you know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, this is what I wrote down in my notes. OMG tail cones. Okay, so so he's got the, the logo 700 out there. It's nose in about two feet off the ground. And to the beat of the music, he starts rotating the tail boom around its own axis in a cone shape facing away from him. I don't even, it was like mind blowing. Uh, so one more time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nose in. Nose in. Okay. Tails facing directly away from you. Now take the tail and rotate it in a cone about its own axis. So now I'm making the shape of a cone with the open end of the cone. And the nose would be stationary. And the nose was stationary. Wow. Yeah. Weird. I got that. I got it. Just crazy I'll shit. Be, I'll be busting that one out this weekend. And picking well, up the parts. Yeah, I, I hope he does it. I'm gonna have I want to ask him to do it at our fun fly because I really want to see that shit up close. Um, okay. So um that was the battle of the brands. Uh Stacy won. I think Dahl came in second. I've got this posted um, on our on our Facebook because I was doing a poll. No one actually guessed correctly, so no one gets a hat. It's good because we don't have any more hats, or we only got one left. We got one left. Uh, we got one left. So, oh well. Uh, let Let's talk. Let's talk about uh, our friend Brian for a second. Um, Brian Langston flew in Battle of the Brands. He did a spectacular job, in my opinion. This was his first Urcha. He did an amazing job in the the demo hour for MSH as well. Him, Matt Blaisdale, and uh, Alex went up there. They did uh, three-person tandem flights on the Protoss 380s, which was really great. He went up there and just threw down on the Protoss 700 uh, Max V2 uh, and then flew for them for the Battle of the Brands. <clears throat> he was doing a great job. And Brian, Brian's a real technician, as you guys know. Uh, he was doing reversing Piro TikToks, skids in, right in front of him, right up, just barely above the ground. So wrap your head around that. <laughs> yeah. um, most people, I don't think, can even do TikToks skids in. Uh, but Correct. anyway, we'll, we'll leave that there. Can you, Nick? No, God, no. Okay. Drive that son of a bitch in so fast it wouldn't even be right. funny. So mad props. I mean, he's clearly got skill. Uh he was he was getting into it. You could tell the crowd was getting into it. And, you know, he he went to pull the tail under just off to the right of him. Um, and unfortunately he tagged the tail rotor, lost tail control. Uh, and the, the heli immediately, because of the hit on the ground, started flying back behind him. Uh, and it ended up in the crowd uh, at, at center stage. Really scary time, um, obviously for him, but for a lot of other people. I was probably about 60 feet away. Uh, I could not see the details. Uh, I do remember uh, uh, everyone crowding around and hearing... Uh, the Urcha guys yelling, everyone get away, get away. And then they were radioing EMT 911911. So people are thinking the worst here, right? 
Um, uh, it turns out that it did hit one gentleman who was sitting down. Um, the whole heli kind of hit him square in the body. Uh, he was a bit stunned for obvious reasons, but he made it out, uh, from what I understand, with a simple uh, laceration, a cut on the leg, a little bit of blood, but basically a flesh wound. Uh, did not get any of the vital parts of his body, no neck, no head, no eyes, nothing like that. Uh, in fact, he was taken away to the ER and then came back and uh, watched the rest of the show. Uh, so, you know, just to, to get close the door on the fact that the guy was okay at the end of the day, just a bit shaken up. Uh, Brian did uh, what I think was as good as he could have done. I mean, you could tell he was do he knew what was going on. He did his best to control it. And so the way you could see this, and I'll tell you, because I don't know that a lot of people got it. Um, the minute it started flying backwards, he hit throttle hold. You could hear it spooling down and he jammed collective uh, in the opposite direction. And, and the effect was that it completely stopped the head. So when it went into the crowd, the head was barely moving. And so now it's kind of like just throwing a 12-pound helicopter at someone from 30 or 40 feet away. And I think, uh, you know, that is probably the main reason why the guy didn't get seriously injured. Um, and in my opinion, it's, it really is a testament to, to Brian's ability. I don't know that a lot of people would have thought that quickly on their feet. I'll tell you, when I saw it happening, my mind just went, oh, shit, is this for real right now? And I don't know if I would have thought in the moment, throttle hold, negative collective, get the head stopped. Uh, but that is exactly what he did. Uh, and I think it could have been a lot worse, but it worked out very well. Uh, so to me, you know, my hat's off to Brian. I know he felt terrible. Uh, I kind of let the dust settle and then walked over and kind of patted him on the back and said, hey, man, you know, just hang in there. If you want to chat, let me know. Um, he, he, he's recovering from it. But, man, uh, scary times. It was not the only person that got hit, however. Little Mason Dumansky uh, apparently flew his helicopter into himself Ooh. on the west side of the flight line the same day, a couple of hours earlier. Uh, now, luckily, no wounds came out of this one. From what I understand, some portion of the heli, probably the blade in his attempt to dive away, hit his foot. And the last I had heard was that the EMTs had speculated that he may have broken bones in his foot as a result of that. Hmm. For yeah. real? Yeah. It is. It is for real. It's, but I'm glad yeah. that no one really got, I mean, hurt at the end of the day. Nope. No one got hurt. Um, a lot of people got scared. Uh, Mark Jenkins was three seats away from it. Ooh. <laughs> um, and, and he told, he said, dude, Justin, I'll tell you what, man, I saw that thing coming. I got up and moved as quickly as I could and I couldn't watch anymore. I left, went back to my tent. There was something in me that said, nope, not going to happen. 
so it it's a bit of a sobering reminder uh you know of the dangers of things and afterwards uh they immediately pushed the safety line out the flight line out by another 20 or 30 feet uh, i don't know how much of a difference it would have made in the long run my expectation is that in light of this there is likely to be additional safety precautions taken at the next urcha or you know future big events but we'll see what happens there um i you know i think that's a majority of everything the the only other thing i wanted to say cuz i told him i would bring it up mark jenkins um good friend we've known each other for over 10 years from wow as you guys know world of warcraft got him into helis about 4 or 5 years ago uh he had a blast uh at urcha we actually got to hang out a lot more than we had the previous two years uh but first night i get there tuesday he's like dude i've been practicing i'm i'm you know i'm getting the skill going here i want you to come and watch me fly the protos max i love this heli so he gets going and uh yeah he you could tell he's throwing down you know he's got tiktoks down low on the deck he's a few feet off the ground and he's just throwing the thing around, and then uh, he ticks a little bit lower than he wanted to, and he didn't get the talk in, and he toe-picked the tail. Yard sale. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Sorry. this thing fucking exploded. Now, let me give you some perspective here. There was a 10-man search party that spent 20 minutes looking for his tail servo. He blade <laughs> struck the tail servo. You know, the Bad tail doggy. servo on a proto sits on the boom. Bad doggy. He tail struck the blade, the, the, or ba- blade struck the tail servo. We finally found it. And sure enough, there was like a, a dent in the case where the blade had attempted to cut through it. Mm. Uh, so what an epic crash. First night, of course, he's like, screw this. I'm going to go and get parts. Now, for whatever reason, and I, I still don't know, um, they didn't have parts for him uh, at any of the vendors or at MSH. So he's like, okay, I'll buy a new kit. Well, they didn't have a kit for him. So he said, okay, I'll buy an Evolution kit. He gets that, gets it built, um, breaks something on it, replaces it with a Diablo part. Then the next day he shows up with a Diablo 700. He had bought a Diablo 700. Wow. (laughs) He tells me, he says, dude, I got to be careful on this money thing. Because uh, I only brought, I, I, I was, I told myself I'm only going to spend a thousand dollars at Urcha. He had to have at least doubled that. <laughs> That's cool. And he drove in the oxy. <laughs> Which, by the way, Dan, he concurs with you on. Yeah. Yep. I think it'll fly better with the four cell, though. Pretty sure of it. Yeah, prob- probably. So that uh, that was my Urcha. I got to see a lot of listeners uh, tag up with old ones, meet new ones. Uh, I 
I want to do a personal shout out to a couple of them. Mark, Bill, Daryl Collins, and Mike Riddle. You guys are the men. Daryl came out and flew in the Speed Cup on a whim, never having done it before. Just started flying in February. I spotted for him. These guys are good people. They're the real deal. Uh, when I threw the, I was about to throw the Gowie R5 fuselage away and, uh, Mike's like, dude, I'll take it as a souvenir. Do you mind signing it? So Mike has my R5 fuselage, Jeff, Jason, Robert, Mike, John, um, awesome talking to you. Glad that we could hang out and sort of shoot the bull. Thank you guys and everyone else for the continued support. Uh, RCHN had a lot of support at the at at Urcha. I saw yeah. a lot of T-shirts, a lot of hats. Uh, I got no fewer than a dozen big dick players <laughs> from afar. So um, yeah, the nation is still alive and well. Yeah, we kind of had a hunch. We did, but yeah. you know. Little verification every now and now and then is a good thing, though, right? It's it's good to feel validated, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a good time at Earthship. Got a kind of got me thinking I might want to go next year. I think you it, know. I'll tell you, man. It, if it weren't for the temperature, I mean that that made it difficult for everyone. It really did. Um, but if it was, and and what I understand was that was somewhat extreme. If it was a little bit cooler, I actually, in the end, like I said, I like the smaller numbers. Screw this commercialized Dude, shit. It was Let's get back to the when basics. We were there. Dude, it was horrible here. Like, way worse than we were there. Yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of saw a couple posts and were like, well, why don't you move it to this and why don't you move it to that? And everyone just replied, you know, you don't understand this area. It just doesn't matter when you do it. You yeah. just never know. That's what I got from people as well. Yep. Yep. Especially, I'm I'm curious to see uh, how you're, you know, because you, I'm assuming you're going to be at OHP this year, right? I will not, oh, you're not because I happen to have a second boy on the way. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The due date is December twelfth. This uh, this new little flying secret that you seem to have uncovered is pretty intriguing, especially when it comes to doing an archer trip. To be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Hmm, something to consider. Well, I think we're getting kind of that about that time. We might want to consider wrapping this one up. You guys got anything further you want to talk about, Urcha, before we move on? Uh, I don't. Any questions? <laughs> Comments, no? concerns. Dude, it's all our fun fly. No offense, Urcha, but <laughs> yeah. I got our fun fly on the brain. If you if you missed last week's episode, that's what it was all about. Yep. Go download it and listen. I, I got a bunch of people like, damn, that episode makes me want to change my plans. I listened to it. Do it. Keep pre-registering too, guys. You're going to make it way too easy on the guys of, who have already pre-registered, <laughs> right? To get this, whatever the prize is going to be. I'm not going to say anything. All righty then. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this one up. First, uh, we're going to do some emails. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? 
you would send me an email, yes, at nick at rchelynation.com, and I will actually reply. Actually reply. Very good. How about you, Justin? You can send me an email to justin at rchelynation.com. If you wanted to get in touch with Jesse, you could do that at jesse at rchelynation.com. You can catch him on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to touch, uh, touch, maybe not touch, but get in touch with Ken. You could do that at Ken at rchelynation.com. You never know. Ken, Ken might let you touch he him. Might, he right. might let you touch him. Um, my name is Dan. You can get me at dan at rchelynation.com. Dan K. Reed on the forums. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned in a few weeks, or a few shows anyway, is uh, questions at rchelynation.com. If you have a question that you would like us to either air on the show or if you're bashful, write it in. But we prefer a recorded voice message so we could play it and then uh, possibly answer that on the show. Uh, as I said, questions at rcalienation.com. Check out the webpage, www.rcalienation.com, and we're on Facebook as well. And I do think that about wraps it up. This has been episode four. Oh, no, no, that's not right. <laughs> Why was I thinking 445? It's 245. Episode 245. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Later. Take it easy, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by BK Designs, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, Superiority, and MSH USA. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. Yeah.